Thank you. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, they're clapping at Lionel. Hopefully at Blaine, they're not like this, you know, during that whole deal. Uh, but you guys are very kind. And I just have to say how excited I am to be the senior pastor of this church and how honored and humbled I am uh, to be in that position. One of the things that I pray before I come out to speak every time, I've prayed this for 13 years, is that God give me a love for these people. That I don't want to just dispense information. I don't want to just talk about Bible verses, although that's extremely important. I don't want to just talk about history or information. I really want to teach in a way where you feel loved. Because I know that so many people, this church means so much to you. That you come each week and this, this church has helped your marriage. It's helped you raise your kids. It's helped you figure out what God's will is for your life or God's direction is for your life. That there's so many of us who come to church and we're hurting, and we're in pain, or we're anxious about something, and we just need to hear from God. And I hope that this church continues to be that for you in your life. One of the things that I love about this church is our mission. It's to reach people who are far from God. It's to reach people for Christ, and that will never change. This will always be a church where you can invite your family members, and your friends, and your coworkers, and even if they haven't been to church in years, they can come and understand what's being taught, and they can encounter God and hear about a relationship with Jesus Christ. I love that about this church. Our, our core beliefs aren't changing. Uh, things like the Bible is the inspired word of God. I believe that to the core of my being. That's not changing. Our leadership team, our volunteers, our people, none of that has changed. In fact, when people ask me about the success of Eagle Brook Church, one of the things that I've mentioned is it's not so much about who's up here, it's about who's out there. We have so many incredible people in our church who invite and who pray and who serve. And really, that's what makes this church what it is, is what God's doing in your lives. And so I'm honored and again and humbled uh, to be a part of leading that. All right, today we are beginning a new series. It's called Strong and Courageous. And I want to begin by asking you a question. Is there any area of your life right now where you feel weak or timid? Is there any part of your life where you think to yourself, you know, if I just had more strength or if I just had more courage, it takes strength and courage to end an unhealthy relationship. Some of you know what that's like. You were in an unhealthy dating relationship for years or some other kind of relationship. And finally, you got the strength and the courage from God to end that toxic relationship. It takes strength and courage to deal with a three-year-old who's having a meltdown in aisle 24. I mean, you're going toe-to-toe -to -toe in that moment. You better not back down. You need some strength and you need some courage. It takes strength and courage to stand up for your faith. This series, Strong and Courageous, is based on a book in the Old Testament called Joshua. And the reason why we chose to teach through it is because in many ways, it mirrors what our church is going through right now. You see, in Joshua chapter 1, Moses has been the leader. Moses, the one who received the Ten Commandments directly from God, came down the mountain holding the tablets. Moses, the one who heard from God speaking to him in a burning bush, who led God's people out of slavery and out of Egypt, that Moses. And now he's gone. And leadership has been transferred over to a man named Joshua. And God says to Joshua, I want you to lead my people into the promised land. There's been a leadership transition. Now, I'm not saying that Bob is Moses. He would look good in a big white beard, but I'm not saying he's Moses. 
But in the period of time that he has led this church, we went from one campus to nine campuses. We went from 300 people to over 20,000 people. And many of you have come to Christ or been baptized during that period of time. And now Bob is retired. And people have been asking me all week, are you ready? And it's a difficult question to answer because on the one hand, you don't want to go, oh, I mean, Bob made it look hard, but it's actually pretty easy. (laughs) And on the other hand, you don't want to go, we're on a sinking ship, everybody. (laughs) We're going down because that doesn't inspire much confidence either. There's two things that have given me comfort. The first one is that Jesus Christ has been and will always be the leader of this church. But the second thing that's given me great comfort is that all throughout the Bible, when God asks someone to do something, they never responded by going, oh, yeah, I'm I'm totally ready for that. When God first approached Moses and said, you're going to lead my people out of slavery, Moses' initial reaction was, not me. Yeah, I'm not very good with words. I'm not real eloquent. You know, you should, you should use my brother Aaron. He's a lot better at that kind of thing. A little bit later, Gideon said, you know, God, I'm too weak. His exact words were, my clan is the weakest in Israel, and I am the least in my family. You got the wrong guy, God. Abraham said he was too old. Jeremiah said he was too young. Isaiah said he was too sinful. And King Saul When God asked him to be the king or chose him as the king of Israel, he was hiding behind some luggage. They went to introduce him as king. They're like, now you're new king of Israel. Where is he? We don't know where he is. Some guy's like, I think I found him. He's back here. And he comes up behind the luggage like, hey, everybody, I'm your new leader. Every time God asks someone, are you ready? They never said, oh, I got this. They always said, no, God, I'm too weak, I'm too timid, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too sinful, I've got too much baggage in my past. And every single time, God looked at them and said, ready or not? Which leads to the question that I have for you today, which is this, is there anything in your life that you sense that God is asking you to do right now? Maybe you just have this sense that God wants you to write something or teach something or lead something. And you say, not me, God. I don't think I have what it takes. I'm not eloquent enough with words. I'm not a leader. I never have been. I'm not good in front of people. You should choose somebody else. Maybe you're watching this message online and you live in a small town. And you have a heart to reach your town for Christ. And so you think, maybe I could have an Eagle Brook gathering where people could come to my house and watch the message. But then you just think, I don't know how I'd ever do that. Maybe there's someone in your life that you need to confront their sinful behavior, but everything in you says, oh boy, I'm just too timid. I can't do that, God. Every time God asked people to do something, he never said, I think you're ready now. You should go. He always simply said, go. And then he added these words, and I will go with you. In December at our all-staff Christmas party, the all-staff planning team approached me with an idea. They said, hey, we we got this funny little thing. We think it would be cool if you and Brandon had a rap battle. Brandon is our high school teaching pastor. He also speaks occasionally here on the weekends. If you didn't know this, when I was in high school, I used to rap. My rapper name was Strand Diesel. And that's how people around school knew me. In fact, if you were to ask people, 1997, Wyzetta graduating class, 
If you said, hey, I just heard Jason Strands, the senior pastor at Eaglebrook. Did you go to school with him? They're probably going to go, mm, no, it doesn't ring a bell. But if you said, did you go to school with Strand Diesel? They're like, yeah, I think I did. I remember that guy. My friend and I, we used to perform at halftime of basketball games. We used to do talent shows. But I haven't rapped in like 25 years. So I told them, no way, not doing it. Not to be told no, they pivoted. And they said, well, what if we set it up like a rap battle, but we really had the two of you rapping Christmas presents against each other. Get it? W on the front, rap battle. So we set it up. The music that was blasting through the speakers. I threw my hood up. I came up on stage, and then the music scratched. And the host said, actually, we're going to be rapping presents. And our staff went nuts, booing, <laughs> hissing, yelling. These are the pastors at your campus, some of whom were sinning in their anger. And so by the time we got to January, a month later, we thought, we got to give the people what they want. And so they came to me. They pitched this idea. They said, we want you to rap this song. I didn't even know the song, knew nothing. I had two days to prepare. Right before I went up, I told Brandon, I said, oh, I got it. Got the whole song memorized. I'm ready. This is what happened. Take a look. I introduce to you Strand Diesel. Yo, 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 palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are ready. Can't see the lyrics because his father's are sweat already. Mom's spaghetti. You gotta bring him up, you gotta bring him up, come on. He's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud, he opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's checking how everybody's glocking now. The joke is how, how, how. Horrible. Snap back to reality. Off the go. It was a disaster. I couldn't see anything with the sunglasses, so I had to lose those, and then I got offbeat, and I forgot the lyrics, and then the person who was running the lyrics was just going crazy back there. I couldn't follow them at all. The irony of this is that the song in the chorus says, you've only got one shot. Don't miss your opportunity to blow. I missed my one shot. That was it. Now, here's my point. Oftentimes in my life, when I've had that kind of attitude where I've been like, oh, I got this. I'm ready. Sometimes it doesn't go so well. But many times when I say to God, God, I don't have what it takes. I can't do it. That's when God shows up. When I was in college, I sensed that God was calling me to transfer to a different school. And there was everything in me that said, no, God, I can't do it because I don't know anybody at that school and I'm not good at meeting new people. And then I transferred and I sensed that God wanted me to pursue being a pastor. And I thought, there's no way. I didn't grow up in church. I don't know the Bible well enough. Nobody wants Strand Diesel as their pastor. <laughs> the first time I ever spoke at a church, I was bent over the garbage can. I was physically sick as I heard them introducing me. I had to like quit, wipe off, and run up to give the message that morning. I have never felt ready. Seems like Joshua felt the same way. In Joshua chapter 1, look at what God says to Joshua. He says, be strong and courageous, for you will lead my people to possess all the land that I swore to give their ancestors. Be strong and very courageous. 
He goes on and says, I command you, be strong and courageous. Three different times God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Now, we don't have access to Joshua's response or his thoughts, but you can almost sense the inner protest. Because why else would God have to repeat himself three different times? And notice that it amplifies in intensity each time. He started out by saying, be strong and courageous. Then he said, be strong and very courageous. Finally, he said, I command you to be strong and courageous. I wonder if God is saying to some of us today, be strong and courageous. And you say, but I'm too weak. I'm too timid. I'm too young. I'm too old. I've got too much sin in my past. And God might look at you and say, be strong and very courageous. And you say, but I'm not eloquent. I'm not good with words. I'm just so lost right now. I'm so broken right now. I have so much anxiety and fear. I have a disability, God. And God might be saying to you, I command you to be strong and to be courageous. Or maybe you're in a transition right now or you're in a new job or you're a new leader. First year of marriage, first child. Moving across the country to a different state or you're dealing with something like a breakup or a divorce. I believe that God might want to say to you today, be strong and be courageous. But just telling someone to be strong and courageous doesn't make them strong or courageous, does it? It's kind of like the counselor who kept telling his clients, just stop it. And I have all these anxious thoughts. Well, just stop it. I'm just so depressed. Well, just stop it. That doesn't do any good, does it? So just telling someone to be strong and courageous doesn't make them stronger or more courageous. Thankfully, I see three ways in this verse that God says to Joshua how he can become stronger and more courageous. Here's the first one. Obey the commands of God. So he says, be strong and courageous. And then look at what he says next. He says, obey all the laws that Moses gave to you. Do not turn away from them, and he, you will be successful in everything that you do. I love that phrase, do not turn away. You ever seen someone before who turned away from a commandment of God? I've talked to people all the time, they'll say, you know, I knew what I was supposed to do, but I, I didn't care, I, I just did it anyway. I knew I shouldn't have gone to that party. I knew I shouldn't have been hanging out with those friends. I knew I shouldn't have said those words. I knew I shouldn't have sent that email. I don't know why. I just, just found myself clicking send. In January, three managers of professional baseball teams lost their jobs because they were involved in the Houston Astro pitch-stealing scandal. You've probably heard this story, but if you haven't, the Houston Astros had a camera out in center field. And they were zooming in on the opposing team's catcher. And so when he would put down a sign, they would relay that to the hitter. So if it was a changeup, they would bang on a garbage can in the dugout. And when the hitter heard that noise, he would know it's not a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. It's an 84-mile-an-hour changeup. What was interesting when I read the report from Major League Baseball is that apparently the Astros manager, A.J. Hinch, was uneasy with this the whole time. In fact, two different times, he went out to center field to try to disable the camera. So he's out there like pulling things out, trying to break things. But never once did he stand in front of his team and say, as the leader of this team, this is wrong and we are not going to do it anymore. And now he's lost his job and has a World Series title that seems tainted. 
Let me ask you, is there something in your life right now that you feel uneasy about? There's just something in your spirit and you just know, you know, I, I don't think I should be doing this. There's just something in you that's uneasy about what your husband or your wife or your kids or someone close to you is doing and you can just sense it. How many more successful men have to lose their reputations because of sexual harassment? How many more successful men and women have to lose marriages because of infidelity? How many more successful CEOs have to lose their job because of financial impropriety? God says to Joshua, if you want to be a leader, do not turn away from the commands of God. When you know what you're supposed to do, you need to do it. And here's how this relates to being stronger and more courageous. When you obey God, your obedience muscle gets a little stronger. Even when people make fun of you, even when they mock you, you say, you know what? I, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know that I'm supposed to obey God. And you get stronger and you get more courageous. Here's the second way that you can become stronger and more courageous, and it's read the word of God. I love this. Look at what God says to Joshua next. He says, study this book of the law. That was the Bible for them, the first five books of the Bible in this case. He says, study this book of the law continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be sure to obey all that is written in it. Only then, he says, will you succeed. Only then. What if I told you there are two things that will lead to your success in life? Obey the commands of God and read the word of God. Would you do those two things? And notice he doesn't say education. Education's important. I hope my kids get a degree. But we all know people who have PhDs and master's degrees who've made a mess of their life. That is not what leads a person to success. God says to Joshua, if you want to succeed, here's what you need to do. You need to study this book. You need to meditate on this book. The word meditate, when it's used in the Bible, refers to a filling of your mind. Sometimes when people use that word in our culture, they use it differently. They, they use it to mean an emptying of your mind. But when the Bible says that word, it means to fill your mind with something. It fill your mind with the word of God. In fact, the word that's translated as meditate here, it's also the word that's used for a, a cow chewing its cud. You ever seen a cow just kind of... That's what God is saying to Joshua. He's saying, don't just read this book, but, but think about it. Chew on it. For Christmas every year, our family gives Jesus a gift, and then we sing happy birthday to him. And I've said to my wife, I said, you know, Jesus loves Dairy Queen ice cream cakes. <laughs> and, and my wife, she can get a little wobbly. You know, she'll say, oh, they're so expensive. It's not about you. <laughs> it, it's, it's about Jesus, right? And... and and he is worthy of a Dairy Queen ice cream cake. And so we go and we get him a Dairy Queen ice cream cake. Until this year, we found out that two of my kids have a dairy intolerance. So they can have an allergic reaction to dairy. Poor Jesus. Now we're going to make him enjoy a gluten-free, dairy-free dessert? You've got to be kidding me. But in addition to singing happy birthday to him, we also give him a gift. And of course, it's not a material gift. It's a gift from our life. But my gift to Jesus this year is I said, when I wake up in the morning, I want my first thought to be a verse from the Bible. I did this yesterday. 
I woke up in the morning, and instead of thinking about my to-do list and all the things that I had to get done, which is what I used to think about, I thought to myself, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's a powerful thought to start your day. I knew I had this message coming up, and I thought, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm, I have some nervousness around this, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then I thought to myself, in my weaknesses, God's grace is sufficient for me. And that's all I need. And then I thought to myself, today is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Today is a gift from God. You start your day with some verses like that, and it completely starts to shape your mind. God said to Joshua, I want you to meditate on this. And I want you to do it day and night. If I ever renounce my faith in Jesus, it's going to be at the drive-thru of a fast food restaurant. It's because usually I'm driving, my wife's in the passenger seat, my five kids are in the back, and when I pull up, my wife always has 10 questions for me to ask the person through the microphone. Can you see if that raspberry vinaigrette has soy in it? Is it possible to substitute that for grilled chicken? Meanwhile, my kids are in the back. They're like, I don't want a kid's meal. I want a regular adult meal. I want a large. And they're all just screaming their head off. And the person speaking to me through the microphone is like, can I interest you in an apple turnover? And I'm like, no, what kind of pops do you have? Oh, we have Coke products. Sorry, I don't have Coke products memorized. You're going to have to read those off to me. And there's just so many voices. I, I can't hear anything. I feel that way in life sometimes. I go on Twitter and it's just voices and opinions. I go on Facebook and half the people are seemingly yelling about something. And then you go talk to your mom or your dad or your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, your teacher, your coach, your coworker, your friend, your brother, your sister. All of a sudden you have all these voices in your head except the voice of God. It's because God often doesn't yell. Sometimes he even whispers. You actually have to dial in to hear him. But if you would close your door and turn on some worship music and open up your Bible, you might just hear the voice of God. In fact, people ask me all the time, how do you hear from God? Because I, I want that in my life. I want to know, you know what God wants to say to me. And, and, and I, God can speak in many different ways. But the primary way that he speaks to me is through the Bible. I'll read a verse and I'll think, you know what? I need to encourage my kids more. I'm too critical. Or I'll read a verse and I can feel my anxiety going down and my ability to trust God going up just because of that verse. Or I'll read a verse about money and how to handle it or how to speak to people with whom I disagree and I'll just know that that's God speaking to me. God says to Joshua, there's all these voices out there, but if you want to be strong and you want to be courageous, that's the voice you need to be listening to. You got to read the word of God. Here's the third way to become stronger and more courageous, and it's this, know that God is with you. So these are really simple things, aren't they? Obey the commands of God, read the word of God, and know that God is with you. Here's what God says next to Joshua. He says, I command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. How many of us today are afraid or discouraged? We, we live in an atmosphere of fear right now. 
There's the coronavirus. There's all these other things going on in our personal lives. And I talk to so many people who live in a perpetual state of fear. They're afraid. They're discouraged. God says to Joshua, you don't have to live that way. Why? Because the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. It's a tipping point when a person believes that God is with them. I have always used to say, I would rather be with my wife in Des Moines, Iowa, than by myself in Hawaii. And that speaks to how much I love my wife. I thought that was an original thought, but then one day I was reading Proverbs 15, and God says this. He says, a bowl of soup with someone you love is better than a steak with someone that you hate. Do you see what happened there? God copied me. (laughs) But isn't that true? When you're with someone that you love, it doesn't matter so much where you are or what you're doing. Friends, I'm telling you, your circumstances don't matter as much when you know that God is with you. King David seemed to understand this in Psalm 139. He writes this. He says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the furthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. He is with you in the boardroom. He's with you in the baby's room. He's with you on the baseball field, in the basketball court. He's with you at church. He's with you at school. He's with you in the joy. He's with you in the pain. When you are afraid, God is with you. When you are discouraged, God is with you. When I was in middle school, I used to play basketball for Wyzetta West, and we had this game one time where we went to this other school in Plymouth, and I'm I'm not going to say the name of the school, but right when we got there, I noticed there was police officers standing around the court. I thought, well, that's weird. I've never seen that before, and I didn't think much of it until partway through the second half, the guy who I was guarding, who was a little bit bigger than me, stronger than me, but he had red hair and freckles, so we kind of looked a little like each other and kind of matched up. I tried to box him out on a free throw, and he just took his elbow and slammed it into my back and then shoved me to the ground. And when I turned around to look at him, I saw their point guard punching our point guard in the face out at half court. And a full-on brawl broke out. Police officers came out, separated the two teams, and now I knew why they were there. The next year, we played that same team, and they came to our place. And both of us had good memories. Because right away they saw a kid in the stands who had played the year before but wasn't playing that year. And they went after him. Chased him into the girls' bathroom. We still laugh about that. He was in the girls' bathroom hiding from these guys. When the game started, the guy who elbowed me, he was after me. Right away, talking trash, threatening me, pushing me. That is until Eric Bush pushed him. Eric Bush was the biggest kid on our team. And he was a nice guy, but you didn't want to get him mad because he was kind of like an angry bear when he got mad. And so Bush took up for me. He started to push this kid and talk trash to this kid. And at one point he said to him, hey, if you're so tough, why don't you come after me? And I was behind him. I'm like, yeah, boy, why don't you come after us, huh? Hold me back. Oh, you're not going to hold me back? All right, I'm going to back up. But 
Because I knew that if Eric Bush was for me, nobody could stand against me. I wonder today if there is something in your life that feels like an enemy. You feel threatened. You feel hurt. You don't have Eric Bush with you, but you have God with you. And if God is for you, no one can stand against you. He is bigger than your biggest battle. He is greater than your greatest enemy. In fact, there was a reason why Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land. In Numbers chapter 13, they were standing on the edge of the promised land, about to enter, and Moses sent 12 spies in. He wanted to see who lives there. And the 12 spies came back and said, oh, there's, there's Amorites, and there's Hittites, and there's Jebusites, and there's Parasites. Made one of those up. But 10 of the spies came back, and, and here's what they said. They said, they're stronger than we are. So they spread discouraging reports. You ever been in an organization where there's a person always spreading discouraging reports? Everything's always the end of the world. And they said, all the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants. We felt like grasshoppers compared to them, and that's what we looked like to them too. But the other two spies, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, surely we can conquer the land. They knew if God was for them that no one could stand against them. Unfortunately, Moses listened to the ten spies, and because of his lack of faith, was not allowed to enter the promised land. But notice how these ten spies saw themselves. They said, we felt like grasshoppers. And maybe you feel that way. Maybe you say, I, I feel small. I feel insignificant. I feel like people walk all over me sometimes. And they don't even notice me. And it's not just me that feels that way about myself. That's how they view me. They, they view me as small and insignificant. And they just walk all over me. And here's what you need to know today. If God is with you, then no one can be against you. When you're at school and, and you feel like there's a bully that, that's threatened you, you don't need to strike back at them. You don't need to try to hurt them because you know, wait a minute, I'm strong and courageous and I have the Lord my God who's with me right now. When you're at work and there's that person who's always manipulating and controlling, you need to remind yourself, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you. When you find out that your spouse has left you and you feel all alone, you are not alone. So be strong and be courageous. This past December, our small group delivered some Christmas presents to some low-income houses near where I live. And, and so we were going to sing Christmas carols. One of the guys in our group learned the song, Joy to the World. It was the only song he knew. So we just, all, every apartment we went to is Joy to the World. By the 20th apartment, it was like Joy to the World. But we sang, and then we would knock on their door, and we would hand them a gift. There would be some gift cards in there. And then I would ask this question. Is there any way we can pray for you? And many people politely just smiled and said, you know, no, thank you. And, and some would say, well, pray for my health, pray for my happiness. But there was this one older couple. And right when I asked that question, the woman kind of looked at her husband startled, like, did you put him up to this? And he looked back at her like, no, I, I have no idea. And she said, well, I have a major surgery tomorrow. 
And you could tell by the way she said it that it was life-threatening. And so I said, can I pray for you? And I prayed for them that they would have a peace that passes all understanding. And I pray that they would trust God no matter what the outcome was the next day. And I pray that they would be strong and courageous. And when I got done praying, I opened my eyes and the husband had his arms around his wife. And his head was buried into her shoulder and they were both just weeping. And he looked at me and he said, thank you. That was such a gift. And I said, I believe that God may have wanted to send me to you tonight to remind you that he is with you and that you are not alone. And I believe that God may want to remind you of that today as well. That he is with you and you are not alone. I walked into my office this Monday morning and there was a letter that Bob had left on my desk. And in the letter, he said, in those insecure moments, when you feel all alone, remember that God is with you and has put you in this position. Friends, in your insecure moments, when you feel all alone, be strong. Be courageous because the Lord, your God, is with you. And maybe you needed to be reminded of that today. You've, you've heard it before, but 365 times the Bible says, do not be afraid. There's one for every day of the year because every day we're afraid and we're discouraged and we have fear. And I believe God wants to say to you today, be strong. Be courageous because the Lord your God is with you. As you leave today, we have these verse cards for you that has that verse on it. And I would encourage you just put this where someplace where you're going to see it this week because there's going to come a moment when you're going to have to say to yourself, be strong, be courageous because the Lord your God is with you. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for every person here. Some of us are afraid and some of us are discouraged. Many of us feel weak and timid. God, I believe you are saying to us right now, be strong, be courageous, because you are with us. God, would you remind us of that this week when we need it? In those moments of fear and insecurity, I pray that you would remind us that you are with us. And if you are with us, no one, nothing can be against us. God, I thank you for that truth today. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great weekend, everybody.